Good morning, church. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I, you, you really have no idea how excited we are to be here, me and my family. Uh, my son has decided last minute to stay in here with us because he refused to stay in the children's building. So we'll see how this goes. Um, but anyway, uh, but it, ha- it, it feels like it's been forever since we were here with you guys on November 24th. Um, but, but we're here now, it's 2020 and, and I'm really, I'm really excited about beginning this new chapter in the history of Lindsay Lane East. And for some of you, I know that makes you emotional and, uh, that, that, uh, it stirs something within you, but listen, just a new chapter, not a new book. Okay. Just a new chapter. It's the same book with the same author and almost identical cast of characters, you know, just... Almost a, uh, just a new, wiry, weird, not wiry, I don't know where that came from, uh, strange new character uh, who's come. But other than that, um, I, I'm, I'm excited because I want you guys to know, I'm going to, what up, my first uh, just three weeks of sermons that I'm going to give you guys are just, my hope is that you see that I have no intention of changing what you love about East. Uh, that's not my intention at all because it's probably the very things that I'm going to love. about East. And so um, what I'm going to be doing over the next few weeks, uh, and Andy John's going to be coming back next week to preach really in the same vein that I'm doing, um, but I really want to convince you through these first three weeks that, man, we're just going to continue doing what God has already been doing through us. That's what we're praying. God, not for new work, but continued work in the harvest area and around the world. Um, If I could sum up what I would love to see God do in 2020, or at least these first six months, it would be for us to see clearly. For us to see clearly who God is and what he wants us to do um, as a church. To see clearly why in the world God planted this church here in harvest. And that's why I'm focusing the next three weeks on this very thing, seeing clearly. Uh, we as pastors get a lot of strange requests, questions, and comments. Um, that's why a lot of pastors write books, because you guys give us great material, okay? Um, we we have a lot of ability to write books because we have, I mean, just in 11 years of ministry, I feel like I could write a book on the things I get asked. But one of the honest questions that I get that is so good that I love to hear is, how can I get plugged in here? Right, I heard it at Salem Springs when I was in youth ministry. I heard it at Community Baptist Church as associate pastor. And I have no doubt I'll hear that question. I hope to hear that question from some of you and others who don the door of our church. How can I get plugged in to what's going on here at East? And I'll just be honest, a lot of churches don't have a good answer. They don't. They, they begin to describe to you 75 different Bible studies that they can you can be a part of or... We've got Sunday morning, Sunday night. We've got a Tuesday morning fellowship. We've got Wednesday night prayer meeting. We've got Thursday morning something, Thursday night visitation, a something event on Friday and Saturday midday brunch something. There's just, and I'm, I'm all for churches doing awesome things and providing a lot of opportunities, but all those things can muddy the water of what it looks like to be a fully devoted follower of Christ in a local body. And I love the fact that at East, you've simplified it. We're not trying to do everything. We're not trying to overwork ourselves and kill our people. We're trying to do simple things well. And I love that because if I had come in here and that had not been established, I'd have given you some time and then would have had that heart-to-heart 
we got to do simple things well, but you've already got it in place, so I don't have to make you mad, okay? <laughs> We're already doing simple things well. There's a game plan that's in place, a simple process here at East that you're going to hear me say over. I don't know how much Andy John said it. Multiply it times two. That's how often you're going to hear me say these things. When you ask, how can I get plugged in here at East, there's three things. We want you to be at the gathering. We want you to be in a group. We want you to be a part of the movement of God. Because those three things sum up everything that we need to be about. This is a simple yet profound process. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next three weeks. I'm going to lay out, we're going to take one week, look at each one of these, okay? So you know where I'm going. There it is, okay? Now, this morning we're going to look at the gathering. And by gathering, what we mean as a church is we mean this gathering together, of our church, but we also mean other fellowships and anything where the whole church is gathering together to do something. So go on and just kind of pat yourself on the back, right? You you did it. You did it. Step one, praise God for you. You're here. But let me ask you, are you really here? I know you're physically here because my vision's still with me. I can see you. But are you here? Like emotionally? mentally, and spiritually. Oftentimes we come into this worship, I'm going to get to the, this a little bit longer introduction than normal, but we come in with all these distractions and all this stuff that Satan has put there, not your kids, right? not your spouse, not your parents, not your work or your boss. Satan has put those things in your heart to distract you from what he wants you to do today. And so today what we're going to talk about is only two things, two desires that you must have coming into this gathering for it to be of benefit. Two desires that are found um, in the book of Exodus chapter 33. If you've got a Bible and you want to look along with me, Exodus chapter 33 is where we'll be. Um, I read a quote, and it's not in my notes, so I've got to look at my phone here. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, I think oftentimes we come in, we, we think of ourselves much higher than we should. We think, man, yeah, I'm ready to worship this morning. This, this is a quote from C.S. Lewis, one of the books he wrote. Um, um, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. When we gather together as the local church, what stands before us is the word of God and the presence of God to offer infinite joy. And we settle for staying awake for an hour. May it not be so of Lindsay Lane East in 2020. This morning, let's, let's look at this together. The, this is Moses. We're going to see these two desires of Moses' heart as he stands before God. I'm going to start in verse 12. I'll read it aloud, I'll pray, and then we'll study this thing, okay? Moses said to the Lord, Look, you have told me, lead this people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name. And you've also found favor with me. Now, if I have found favor with you, please 
Teach me your ways, and I will know you, so that I may find favor with you. Now consider that this nation is your people. And God replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. If your pres- and Moses responds, If your presence does not go, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this from all other people on the face of the earth. The Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked, for you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. Let's pray together. God, um, we thank you for your word. God, we know it is true. Um, God, we've seen it in our lives, how it's changed us as individuals. God, I pray that your word will become clear and plain through the work of the Holy Spirit in us today as I proclaim it. In Jesus' name, amen. The interaction that Moses has with God here comes at an important time in the history of God's people. Um, If you're unfamiliar with the Old Testament, um, I've only got five minutes to fill you in, okay? So so hang with me. Um, But a majority of the Old Testament tells this story uh, of of, uh, of a, a group of people who become later known as the Israelites, okay? Um, though God continued to help them and protect them, they're called God's people, they found themselves enslaved in one of the largest, the largest empire during that time called Egypt, okay? Um, God actually led them there for protection, but they found themselves enslaved over time. That's what the book of Exodus, uh, the end of Genesis, and then the beginning of the book of Exodus tells us about is the, the ending of this slavery. Moses was an Israelite that God used to lead these people out of Egypt and out of slavery. And if you've read the book of Exodus or you were in Sunday school as a kid, you know that God uses crazy, miraculous things to bring God's people out. Just ridiculous stuff. Frogs and gnats and water turning to blood and, and just ridiculous things as creation itself seems to become uh, coming un, uh, unraveled. But now God has called Moses. They've, he's led them out and God calls Moses to climb this mountain called Sinai. And there on this mountain, God speaks with Moses. And that's not like, like a, just a turn of phrase. Like God speaks with Moses. Not through Way FM on the radio, right? Not like physically speaks to Moses. This is a crazy thing. And God begins to reveal things about himself to Moses and explain to him that this newly freed group of people, how they are to worship him. He explains things like sacrifices that are going to be made that what the temple will look like, what sin is. What's that quiz for you? Okay, little quiz. What's that really important thing Moses came off the mountain with? The Ten Commandments. There we go, right? This is the time when Moses is on the mountain. That's what God gives them. That's, uh, if, even if you're not, if you, this is your first time to come to a church, you probably have heard of the Ten Commandments. That's where this comes from, this conversation with God. And the verses I read earlier that we're going to be looking at come towards the back end of that conversation. So all this chapter after chapter after chapter of God laying out what worship looks like, what does it look like to be God's people going forward. Moses has heard detailed plans about how to inlay walls with gold and where jewels need to be in the temple. He's heard how to cut the throat of certain animals. Bear with me. Um, 
for their sin, how to divide each one up, which parts need to be burned, which parts need to be boiled and eaten by the priest, and which parts need to be disposed of. Now, I don't know about you, but after all that, I've got questions. I'm like Trixie from Toy Story 4. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. She says, Woody, um, I have a question. Actually, um, not just one. I have all of them. I have all the questions, right? Like, I think that's me if I'm Moses in this situation. God, I hold up. Back it up. But Moses, and maybe there's a conversation we don't get in the inspired word, and there's a reason for that. But instead of asking the questions that you and I would ask God, Moses reveals of himself two desires that overshadow any question he could ask. Moses inquires God of two things that reveal his heart. The first thing, he says, help us know you. Help us know you. Moses has just had this wild and overwhelming interaction with God. But Moses said, what are you really like? Like you've told me about all this stuff, but who are you? What's God's character? What makes him tick? Who is God on a deep level? What does he expect of his people? Who is God? In verse 13, God, Moses asks God, or tells God, teach us your ways, or teach me your ways. I'm putting these in terms of the whole church, but he actually said individual. He said, verse 13, teach me your ways. And in that question are all the questions I just asked about his character, who he is on a deep level, what makes him tick. But then Moses says, what's the outcome of God teaching us our ways? He says, teach us your ways and what? Anybody got their Bible open? I will know you. Teach Teach me your ways and I will know you. For us as the church, the desire of our heart must be, God, teach us your ways so that we may know you. Help us know you. Listen, why does Patrick pick the songs that he does each week? I know some of y'all think he throws darts at a board. He doesn't. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I'm new here. <laughs> he does. does he do it to, 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 to entertain us or to stir our emotions? No, he picks songs that teach us the ways of God so that we may know God. Why am I going to stand here and yell at you for a half hour every week? So that you might be a better person? May it not be so. I mean, I hope you're you know, a better person, but my hope through this worship service and through my preaching every week is that you may know God more fully. That's what I want. God will do the transformation in your life if you know him more fully. But my question to you is, how in the world can we as sinners know such an infinite God? I've been married for 10 years now, 11 years. Oh, good thing she left. Yeah, 10 and a half years. Yeah, between 10 and 11. I was right. I've been married for 10 years now. Some of y'all have been married a whole lot longer than that, and you laugh at 10 years, okay? But in 10 years, I feel like I've just begun to scratch the surface of who my wife is, right? After 10 years, you know? Because you just it takes a long time to get to know people, to, to, to really get down to who that person is. 
And so if it takes us so long to get to know one another, how can we know God? Who's infinite. Who, who, who the, the, the prophets tell us His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts than our thoughts. How could we ever know such a God? Well, I have bad news. You can't. Think all day. You don't know Him anymore unless He reveals Himself to you. See, if we did not have God's Word, if we did not have the prophets and the apostles, we would have nothing. We would be making sacrifices to a sun god, or we would be trying to find God in the midst of our everyday life. But because He has revealed Himself, we can know Him. God's Word right here before us, one of the foundational purposes of God's Word is to reveal its author. If you've ever read a book, a good book, not a bad book. If you've ever read a good book, what do you know? You not only know like the the whatever the story was, or if it was a novel, or what. You also learn certain things about the author. You learn the author. A good author puts himself into the story, and that's what God did for us. He didn't just give us words on a page. He gives us Himself in the text, and that's why. We as your church staff have such a high priority for the word of God in our worship services because this is the only thing that will help us know God. It's my promise to you as your new pastor that God's word will be preached from this place, whether it's me or somebody else. If I have to tackle them, I will. Get out of here. We'll throw them out, okay? We won't do that probably, but lovingly (laughs) figure something out okay um but it's my promise that that's going to happen it's the promise of of patrick your worship pastor that the songs he sings each week are going to be scripture rich and not just frou-frou feel-good garbage because they're out there if the god of all creation wants us to know him and has given us a way to know him then we must prioritize it Right? In our gatherings, God's Word outlines what we should do and say each week. It's the curriculum by which we grow together as a people and together with God. We cannot allow things that are apart from this to go on in here. And we're not going to allow it as a staff. We're going to love each other and follow God's Word and preach God's Word and sing songs that glorify the name of God. But there's another cry that's going to be coming from your staff that we're asking you to have this as your desire when you come in each week at the gathering because it's found with Moses. The second thing Moses asks of God, be with us. Be with us. God had as a task before Moses to lead this large, ridiculously big group of people across dangerous terrain. Okay, They weren't walking from here to Athens, okay? Like they, this was dangerous terrain that they had to travel across through warring nations to a land that God had promised to their ancestors. And God reiterates that in verse 1. I just want to read that to you. You don't have to turn there. Verse 1 of chapter 33. The Lord spoke to Moses, Go up from here, this mountain, You and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt to the land I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your offspring. Now this was a tall order for oops. This is a tall order for God to give to Moses and this half wit group of people. 
Moses clearly had his doubts. You can sense that in a lot of the conversation that he has. Because in verse 12, he says, You have given me the game plan, but I need to know how you plan to do this. Who's coming with me? Because these goofballs at the bottom of the mountain are dumb. And I ain't the brightest crayon in the box. So who's going with us? God answers in verse 14. My presence will go with you. My presence. What a thought. The God of all creation will be with you as you go. Now I want you to picture this. The task that God gave, this huge insurmountable task of leading this half-wit group to a, to a, a, a land that's already owned by other people that they're going to have to conquer. That's your task, Moses. And that seems insurmountable, but then God says those words, I will be with you. It all comes crashing down, right? Any fear, any uncertainty, any doubt is squashed at the idea of the God of all creation being with you. What can't God accomplish? The angel said to Mary after telling her that she was miraculously pregnant with God's son. Imagine that little dream. The angel said, nothing will be impossible for God. Jesus said in his own ministry, with God all things are possible. No dangerous terrain can bring death in light of God's provision. No warring nation can overtake you when God is fighting for you. This incredibly difficult task of reaching the promised land is looking much more simple in the eyes of Moses. And Moses' response, I love in verse 15. He says, God, if your presence does not go with us, don't make us go. If your presence does not go with us, then do not make us go. Moses says, God, if you're not with us, then leave us right here. We'll figure it out. We'll make ends meet. But if you will go, then lead the way, baby. This seemingly insurmountable task, he was reminded that God would be with them and would help see them through it. We know that the inherent idea is that God's people would stick to the task if only God would lead them. We know that's not the case. God leads them and and they they kind of do their own thing oftentimes, if you know the story. And in doing so, when they turn away from God's plan, they experience the full weight of the fear and uncertainty and doubt and danger. But when they stick with God's plan, they always have him fighting for them. Moses knew there was no need in them attempting anything risky. Listen to these things. Risky, out of the norm, or anything truly great if God wasn't with them. They would fail and fail badly. The desire of our heart must be each week as we gather, God be with us. We want that at the core of our gatherings. Not that we ask God to go where we want to go. Okay, I was a youth pastor for a long time. Before that, I was a, I was a youth volunteer. I went on a trip one time. When you're in college, I was in college, and my youth pastor uh, was convinced I was a good kid. And so I went with him on a youth trip. And uh, I'll never forget, when you're in college, you experience responsibility like you want to be an adult, but you also really want to be liked 
above all else, okay? And so I was in college, and you're in college, and you're, you're cooler than the high schoolers just simply by being in college. But there's still par- some part of uncertainty in you that wants to be liked. And I can remember going on a trip, and I had these high school guys come to me, and they were like, hey, man, you want to hang with us tonight? I was like, let's do it, you know? <laughs> and so, so we're hanging out. And uh, just talking, having a good time, everybody's laughing. And then, uh, and then the request is made. Hey, uh, Heath, will you walk with us down to the gas station to get some snacks? It's in that moment I realize they didn't really want me. They needed me, right? <laughs> what they didn't want me, what they wanted was something from me, right? Like they, they, they just needed someone to walk with them. And they knew that our youth pastor would get mad if they went by themselves, but they could blame it on me if I went with them. And I, I can remember just their, this harebrained scheme. They wanted me to sign off on their harebrained scheme. They, listen, they didn't want my presence. They wanted my approval. That is not what this service or this church is to be about. Telling God what we plan to do as a church and asking him to join us. We don't need God to sign off on our worship service each week. What we need is Him with us here. We don't need His approval. We need His presence. We want to do just as Moses did. We want to bring before God the risky, out-of-the-norm, truly great plan that God has placed before us as individuals and as a church. And then ask Him to be with us to seek to accomplish it. What is that task, you may ask? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, of course. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded. And remember this, I am with you to the end of the age. Notice how similar that is to Exodus 33. The task and the promise of presence. For us, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, is what God has tasked us with. And at the end of it, Jesus says, I am with you always. As we seek to make disciples in this area of harvest and around the world, we can be, we can, we can be uh, assured that God will be with us. We're going to talk more about the Great Commission on the third week when we talk about uh, the movement of God. But, but this truth greatly impacts the time that we spend together at our gathering. It should be a time in which we come to celebrate what God has done, is doing, and will do through the body of Christ as we move with God in the task of international disciple-making. You get that, right? Like That's our task, <laughs> international disciple-making. Sounds a lot like... Dangerous terrain, warring nations. But with the presence of Christ, we can come together on Sundays and celebrate and find peace and confidence to continue in this task. The first step in being a part of Lindsay Lane East is to be at the gathering. Again, congrats, you did it. But are these two desires in your heart? Because if not... You're just a seat warmer. If not, that's what you did this morning. And whoever's coming in for the 1045 really appreciates it, I'm sure. 
But these two desires must be in our hearts. And so I ask you, are they in yours? I think uh, the Word of God and the presence of God come together in each of our worship services so that we might see God do something great. Um, I don't know what it would look like for 240 people or how many ever come on a given Sunday. I don't know what it would look like for all 200-something of us to come in with these two desires hot on our heart. But I would like to see it. I would like to. It's, your, it's, it's my promise to you as campus pastor that this will be the desires of our staff's heart. Um, they got a text message this week that said, here's what I'm preaching on, that our people would begin pray this way, so let's get a head start. So they've had about a four-day head start on you to begin praying these two things, that we might know you and that you might be with us. And I believe in 2020, we're going to see God do some awesome things because those two desires get driven down into our hearts. Again, the word of God and the presence of God not only come together in our worship services, they came together 2,000 years ago when God himself took on flesh and lived among us as a man named Jesus. This Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I couldn't live. We couldn't pull it off, and he did. And then he died the death that you and I were supposed to die because of our sin. He did it. And in that, he paid the debt for our sins so that we might be made right with God. And this debt is only realized when we trust fully in the finished work of God through Jesus and ask him to be Lord of our lives. For many in this room, you've given your life to Jesus. uh, And he's changed you greatly. If your story doesn't look like that, just know that it, it can. It can. There's nothing special about me or any of anybody here. If you've never trusted in who Jesus is, you can today. If you've never been baptized, we would love to talk with you about that as well. Patrick is going to lead in one more song after I pray here in a second. But during that song, if you'd like to begin a conversation about any of the decisions that I just talked about, those two, um, me or one of our counselors would love to, to begin that conversation, love to talk with you about it. But listen, also, during this song, I want you to begin, if you haven't yet, to ask God to do those two things. Because you can't change your heart. We try. You got New Year's resolutions. You'll fail. I'm just encouraging you here. You don't have within you the willpower to honor God. You don't. You might can give up Cokes, but you can't honor God. But with the Spirit's help, we can accomplish great things. And so today... If you're not a Christian and you want to talk about that, if you need to be baptized, we'd love to talk with you about that. But for us who have already done those two things, check them off. The one thing we need to talk about today is asking God to change our heart's desires when we gather as a church so that we might have two things hot on our heart, that we might know God and that he might be with us. 
I'm going to pray, and after I pray, would you stand and let's sing with uh, Patrick and whoever else may be helping him. The altar will be open for you to come and pray if you need to, but we would love to help you process through what God may be doing in your heart. Let's pray together. God, we do. Uh, God, just come before you, and God, just as Moses, uh, just as Moses said, um, God, teach us your ways so that we may know you and be with us. God, we don't want to go anywhere that you don't want to lead. And God, the future of Lindsay Lane East, I believe, God, is bright. God, not because of us, but because of who you are. And God, I have, I have faith, God, that you're going to do great things through us and in us in this next chapter. God, be with this time, God. If there's anybody here who needs to, uh, to trust in who you are, and God, come to faith today to allow you to change their life, God, I pray that they would come forward, talk with us about that, um, follow through in any steps that they need. Father, we ask that you take this time and that you be glorified and honored. It's in Jesus' name I pray.